Our scripture reading this morning you will find in the book of Joshua. The book of Joshua chapter 7. I will read the entire chapter. But the people of Israel broke faith in regard to the devoted things. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took some of the devoted things. And the anger of the Lord burned against the people of Israel. Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near Beth-Avon, east of Bethel, and said to them, Go up and spy out the land. And the men went up and spied out Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said to him, Do not have all the people go up, but at about two or three thousand men go up and attack Ai. Do not make the whole people toil up there, for they are few. So about three thousand men went up there from the people, and they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai killed about thirty-six of their men, and chased them before the gate as far as Shabarim, and struck them at the descent. And the heart of the people melted and became as water. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until the evening, he and the elders of Israel. And they put dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all? To give us into the hands of the Amorites? To destroy us? Would, would that we had been content to dwell beyond the Jordan. O Lord, what can I say? When Israel has turned their backs before their enemies, for the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear of it and will surround us and cut off our name from the earth. And what will you do for your great name? The Lord said to Joshua, Get up. Why have you fallen on your face? Israel has sinned. They have transgressed my covenant that I commanded them. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen and lied and put them among their own belongings. Therefore, the people of Israel cannot stand before their enemies. They turn their backs before their enemies because they have become devoted to or for destruction. I will be with you no more unless you destroy the devoted things from among you. Get up. Consecrate the people and say, Consecrate yourselves for, for tomorrow. For thus says the Lord, God of Israel, There are devoted things in your midst, O Israel. You cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the devoted things from among you. In the morning, therefore, you shall be brought near by your tribes. And the tribe that the Lord takes by lot shall come near by clans. 
And the clan that the Lord takes shall come near by households. And the household that, that the Lord takes shall come near man by man. And he who is taken with the devoted things shall be burned with fire, he and all that he has, because he has transgressed the covenant of the Lord, and because he has done an outrageous thing in Israel. So Joshua rose early in the morning and brought Israel near tribe by tribe, and the tribe of Judah was taken. And he brought near the clans of Judah, and the clan of the Zerahites was taken. And he brought near the clan of the Zerahites, man by man, and Zabdi was taken. And he brought near his household, man by man, and Achan, the son of Carmi, son of Zabdi, son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, was taken. Then Joshua said to Achan, My son, give glory to the Lord God of Israel, and give praise to him. And tell me now what you have done. Do not hide it from me. And Achan answered Joshua, Truly I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel. And this is what I did. When I saw among the spoil a beautiful cloak from Shinar, and two hundred shekels of silver, and a bar of gold weighing fifty shekels, then I coveted them, and took them, and see they are hidden in the earth inside my tent, with the silver underneath. So Joshua sent messengers, and they ran to the tent, and behold, it was hidden in his tent with the silver underneath. And they took them out of the tent, and brought them to Joshua, and to all Israel, all the people of Israel. And they laid them down before the Lord. And Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, and the silver, and the cloak, and the bar of gold, and his sons and daughters, and his oxen and donkeys, and sheep, and his tent, and all that he had. And they brought them up to the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, why did you bring trouble on us? The Lord brings trouble on you today. And all Israel stoned him with stones. They burned them with fire and stoned them with stones. And they raised over him a great heap of stones that remains to this day. Then the Lord turned from his burning anger. Therefore to this day, the name of that place is called the Valley of Achor. So far, the reading of God's holy word. Our song of preparation is Psalm 111. O oh, give the Lord wholehearted praise. In thankful song, my voice I raise. We sing the five stanzas of Psalm 111. Our text for this morning you will find in the passage which was read from the book of Joshua, chapter 7, the first verse. And the people of Israel broke faith in regard to the devoted things. For Achan, the son of Carmi, 
son of Zabdi, son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took some of the devoted things, and the anger of the Lord burned against the people of Israel. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, when a congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ celebrates the Lord's Supper, then she remembers that the Lord seals to his people the promise of the gospel. And then she, in faith, remembers the death and the glorious resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ. I ask, in our partaking, we confess that we live and move and have our being in him who died for us. In him who by his death brought redemption and restoration of life to us. In him who gained the victory over the powers of death for us. For our living in the world today. Well now, our text will help us understand what it is the Lord demands of us. So that we may truly live the victory life which is ours in Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. We're going to listen to the word of the Lord to us this morning, as is recorded in Joshua chapter 7. I say it that way on purpose, because you see, there is always the danger that we forget that this is the word of the Lord to us today. Oh no, not that we would deny that Joshua chapter 7 belongs in the Bible. But, but if we fail to understand that also this word of Joshua 7 is God's word to us today, why then the message, then the revelation of the Lord doesn't really come across to us here and now. Then we don't wrestle with this word, this message, as the revelation of the Lord's will for our living today. Then we'll read this passage of scripture as an interesting story from Israel's past. A story that has some good moral lessons. For example, you must not steal. And you must not lie, because that makes God very angry. Then we use this story to illustrate the seriousness of such sins. But that Joshua chapter 7 is itself revelation that this chapter opens up to us a deeper insight into the covenantal relationship between the Lord and his people. A covenantal relationship that still holds for us today. See, that, that is then forgotten. That is then lost from sight. But... But the point we have to get a hold on is precisely the answer to the question, what is the word of the Lord to his people in 
every age. And what is the revelation of the Lord to us today in this chapter of Joshua? Well, now, the key to understanding that revelation of the Lord is given in verse 1, the words of our text. The people of Israel, it says. I ask, the people of Israel broke faith in regard to the devoted things. For Achan took some of the devoted things. I quote from the ESV. Not much is known about the man Achan. We do, however, know a couple of things about him which are very significant, and we do well to keep those things clearly in mind. In addition to knowing his genealogy, we know that Achan had crossed the Jordan River with the rest of Israel. Therein, he too had seen that the Lord God was present in the midst of his people. We know also that Israel, only a short while before this, had celebrated the Passover, the Old Testament communion service. The people of Israel, including Achan, had confessed at that time that they believed that the Lord God is faithful to his word of promise, that the Lord would surely deliver his people, and that the Lord would surely lead his people on to victory. We know, moreover, that Achan had witnessed the fall of Jericho. He too had marched around and around that city. He too had seen the walls of Jericho crumble and fall. And therein he too had seen the might of the Lord God displayed. And he had known it. This, this is the Lord's battle. We his people, his chosen and precious, we may help the Lord do his work. And finally, we know that Achan had heard the word of warning, which had been spoken with regard to the devoted things. He too had heard Joshua as the mouthpiece of the Lord say to all Israel, Keep yourselves from the things devoted to destruction, lest when you have devoted them, you take any of the devoted things and, and make the camp of Israel a thing for destruction and bring trouble upon it. Such, we understand, is the man who took of the devoted things. We are told that he, took a, that he took a beautiful cloak from Shinar, 
He took two hundred shekels of silver, and he took a bar of gold weighing fifty shekels. Ah, he had seen those things, and possibly much more, among the spoils of Jericho. And he coveted them. He simply had to have them. He coveted them, and he took them, and he hid them inside his tent. Now think about that for just a moment. The Lord God, remember, was coming with his divine judgment upon the land. Remember, the people of Canaan were cursed. They were doomed to destruction, to death, to hell, said the Lord God. Everything they had had been placed under a ban. That meant that all of their goods must either be destroyed, burned, wiped out, or they had to be devoted to God for sacred use. Well, now, Achan had seen that. That is, he had seen the fury of God's divine wrath. Everything and everyone in Jericho had been destroyed. The men and the women, the young and the old, the auction, sheep and donkeys, everything. Ah yes, Achan had seen it all, and yet... He had seen nothing of it at all. He dared, I ask, he dared to totally disregard the speaking of God in this, his divine judgment on Jericho. Think of it. Achan had seen the sword of the Lord. Striking down the evil, the unrighteousness of the land. And yet, yet he had the nerve to try to duck beneath that two-edged sword of the Lord. Achan, you understand, is a perfect example of the materialists of our day. They, like Achan, dare to disregard the fact that the earth and its fullness belongs to the Lord. Never forget it. God in Christ has devoted the whole earth to stand in his service. But they, the materialists, they defy the Lord. They take for themselves. Ah, the judgment of the Lord breaks forth upon the land in strikes and revolutionary actions and in a meltdown of the economy. But always, 
always they think they will evade that judgment. Always they hope to profit on account of that judgment. Like Achan. Don't forget. Achan had seen the thousands of dead in Jericho. How could he have missed seeing that? Poor suckers, he said to himself. Tough, he said to himself. But about why leave all those goods, those valuable things, there for the fire? Why not take them and make a fast buck on them at a later date? He coveted them, and he took them, and he hid them. And that says verse 1, that was a breaking of faith. And in verse 15 it says, he has transgressed the covenant of the Lord, and he has done an outrageous, a shameful thing in Israel. What we are told, in other words, is not simply that Achan was a miserable materialist. Rather, we are told that his materialism, the love of money, remember, is the root of all evil. His materialism lay at the root of his sin. You see, the sin of Achan is not, first of all, that he took some goods Rather, his sin is that he disregarded the covenant of the Lord. His sin is that he betrayed the Lord's cause. God, remember, was coming in judgment upon the land of Canaan. Achan betrayed the Lord's cause. The man was so caught up with the desire, the longing to possess material things, that he took his stand with those whom the Lord God had devoted to destruction because of their complete unrighteousness. His sin is that he committed what is here called an outrageous thing, a shameful thing, a folly in Israel. That, you understand, is the Bible's way of saying that this deed is, in essence, an attack upon the foundation stone, the rock of Israel's life. The sin of Achan, see, it touches the very heart of the matter. That is, the sin of Achan, it is an attack on the very heart and core of Israel's life with the Lord. That's the thing verse 1 is getting at. Note carefully what it is verse 1 says. The people of Israel, ah yes, the people of Israel, 
broke faith in regard to the devoted things. Therefore, the people of Israel could not stand before the men of Ai. Thirty-six of them were killed. The anger of the Lord, you understand, burned against the people of Israel. But why? Why does God talk about the people of Israel when only Achan, one man, is the guilty party? Oh, there's only one answer for that. This, God sees the individual as a member of the community. The individual is a member of the body. See, this chapter reveals to us in a striking way the seriousness of membership in the covenant community, the seriousness of membership in the body of Christ, the church, which is expressed every day of our life in everything we do. See, in an age of individualism, that is almost impossible for us to understand. Today it is each man for himself, for good or for ill. Today it is said, what I do is none of your business. My sins are mine to account for. They will therefore not affect my community, the church, one way or the other. But the Bible doesn't say that at all. Oh, to be sure, the Bible recognizes individual responsibility. Also in this passage, after all, it is Achan who is executed and his family, to be sure. But, but the Bible sees beyond the individual to the community to which the individual belongs. The Bible tells us that the individual does not sin only on his own account. His sin is a sin of the community, a sin of the body of which he is a member. Remember well, when a member of the body breaks troth, that is, when a member of the body becomes unfaithful to the body or to a member of the body, when he betrays the very heart of the body's life, when on the crucial point at issue at any particular time, he takes his stand with the opposition. When that happens, then the body is affected. Then the community can no longer effectively engage in its task. Then the witness of the church, 
which is to be expressed in the walk of life of every member of the body, then that witness is undermined. Then its action is crippled. There, I believe, there lies the root of the problem. The problem of the world being able to neuter, to emasculate the witness of the church in the world today. Again and again. Ah, you see, we confess the the communion of saints, right? A wonderful, a blessed reality. And we give expression to that in a very special way on Sundays as we listen together to the preaching of the word and even more intimately when the congregation celebrates the Lord's Supper. Then we together say, Christ is our life. He is our one and all. We live out of him. We live for him. We live unto him. He is the victor over death. And through him we shall be victors. After all, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us and gave himself for us. In him alone is restoration of life and in obedience to his word, our life is is restored to fulfill the mandate, the cultural mandate, which the Lord God assigned to us in the beginning. All of us say that. We say that together on Sunday. But how? How do we live that on Monday? How will that be evident tomorrow? Don't forget, the world does not hear what we say in this church building today. And it doesn't see what we do here today. But about the Lord does see us tomorrow. Oh, to be sure, it doesn't see all of us together then. It probably sees only individual members of the body then. Nevertheless, if tomorrow the world sees us grabbing the goods of this world with greedy-fingered hunger. If tomorrow the world sees us using the goods of this world to enrich only ourselves, then we make it difficult, if not impossible, for the world to understand the gospel of Jesus Christ. They we make it difficult, if not impossible, for the world to understand what it means that Christ is our life. Then we are become troth breakers. Then on the crucial point, namely, what life is really all about. I ask, on the crucial point, 
We stand and are seen by the world to stand with the opposition. Then on the crucial question, we break the witness of the community of believers. I'm afraid that all too often, only part of the community of believers stands behind and supports the witness and the action of that community. We've got to learn again that the body has to move forward in unity. You must learn that the troth breaking of the one or of a few cripples the work and the witness of the Christian community in and to the world today. We forget that all too quickly. Joshua did too. When he heard of the defeat at Ai, when he saw that the hearts of the people had melted, why then he tore, it says, yes, then he tore his clothes, fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord, put dust on his head, and prayed. In itself, you understand, all of that was good. That is, it was a proper way of showing sorrow and penitence before the face of the Lord. And many of the elements in his prayer were true enough. If, that is, if it were true that God had indeed forsaken his people. Ah, yes, if that were true, why then Israel's future was surely not bright. And then the name of the Lord would not be shed abroad throughout the land. But, ah, but that was not true. And Joshua could have known that it wasn't true. See, that is why his prayer was altogether beside the point. And God told them so. Get up, Joshua, said the Lord. Arise, man. What in the world are you doing with your face on the ground? You're supposed to be out there working. You have no business suggesting that I, the Lord God, act arbitrarily. Act, that is, that act without rhyme or reason. What, Joshua, what did you tell the people, in my name to be sure, the day Jericho fell? You then told the people, Joshua, keep yourselves from the things devoted to destruction. Lest, remember, lest when you have devoted them, you take any of the devoted things and make the camp that is all of Israel, Joshua. Lest you make the camp of Israel a thing for destruction and bring trouble upon it. That's chapter 6, verse 18. And now look, Joshua. The 
camp of Israel has indeed become a thing for destruction. What? I ask, what can that mean but this? That Israel has sinned. That the people have transgressed my covenant. That the people have taken of the devoted things. That the people have stolen and lied. Therefore, arise, Joshua, up, consecrate, sanctify the people, because the people have become a thing for destruction. The people can no longer do their work conquering the land because they themselves have become subjects of the curse, subject to the curse. You, all Israel, you cannot do your work. I ask, it is impossible for you to accomplish your task unless, unless you as community of the covenant live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord, your God. Such, you understand, I as such is the revelation of the Lord to us today. See, keeping troth, maintaining faithfulness to the demands of the covenant that belongs to the very essence of the covenant. Always, throughout the generations of the children of the Lord, only in the way of obedience can the people of the Lord, the children of the covenant, accomplish their mission in the world. Let me repeat that. Only in the way of obedience can the people of the Lord, the children of the covenant, accomplish their mission in the world today. So Israel sanctified herself anew. They uncovered the guilty one by lot. And they stoned him and his household to death. And they burned them with fire so that the land would be altogether totally cleansed of this unholy thing. You understand? And they raised up a great heap of stones over them, it says, so that no one should ever forget the Achan sin which brought trouble in Israel. So you understand. So the Lord's burning anger was removed. A sanctified people could look to the Lord for his blessing. I ask that blessing is forever sure when the people sanctified by the blood and spirit of Christ press on with their work in faithfulness to his word. 
to that faithfulness, the Lord God called his people, his covenant people of old. And to that same faithfulness, he calls us today. And he warns us, as he warned his people from days of old. Don't you get caught up in the secular culture of the peoples of the age. Don't you covet the goods of a secular culture. Don't you betray my cause. Don't you betray the cause of your Savior and Lord Jesus Christ for the sake of the dollar. After all, you are called to bear witness against the secularism of the age. And you are called to make known not only the judgment of the Lord upon a culture that is rotten to the core because of the unrighteousness of men who by their wickedness suppress the truth in unrighteousness, but also you are called to announce to the world that the kingdom of our Lord is already today a present reality. Or oh, never forget it. The kingdom of our Lord, it is a present reality wherever the stranglehold of Satan has been broken by the word and spirit of Christ. Therefore, you must in holy oneness take your stand. You must together press on with the gospel of total deliverance or total destruction. You must declare it in and by the power of the Holy Spirit. To that task, the Lord God Almighty calls you, us, the body of believers today. And for that task, he strengthens you, us, by his word, the word of life, the word for life, the word for living. Do that faithfully. Do it in unity. And you will be more than conquerors through Christ. Praise the Lord. Amen.